You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. If you could turn to the Gospel of Luke. Turn to the Gospel of Luke. That's where we're going to be at this morning, Luke chapter 5. As you go there this morning, I realized that when I was asked, when Trent asked me to come and share the word with you this morning, he asked me about six weeks ago, when he asked me to come, I was coming as a guest, just as a guest speaker, and I thought, oh, that'd be really cool to come up to, to Granger and to preach, and, and I get to share the word with you this morning as one of your pastors, and it's just, it's just amazing, so I feel so privileged you know, six weeks ago, uh, we were in a very different situation, and our, our life has drastically changed in that, that period of time. And this morning, as we come to this passage, we're going to read about a guy whose life was drastically changed. So let's look here this morning at Luke chapter 5. We're going to be reading verses 27 through 32. So Luke chapter 5, let's start in verse 27. After this, he, he is Jesus, after this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray this morning. Father, would you open up our hearts to receive your word this morning. You've been so kind to give us your word, to reveal yourself to us, and to reveal to us your son, Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would move on our hearts in such a way that we would respond to Jesus in the same way that Levi responded to Jesus, that we would follow you with all that we are. God, we give you praise this morning. Lead us this morning. Speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, I'm going to maybe go through things a little bit differently. I'm going to share kind of the main idea. I'm going to go through the story in a little bit more detail. And then we're going to talk about how that applies to us, how we should respond to this text. So the main point this morning, uh, right out of the gate, is regardless of what your life looks like, repent and follow Jesus. Regardless of what your life looks like, repent and follow Jesus. So you can be thinking of that as we go through this passage this morning. So as we come to this passage, uh, we, we know that Luke wrote this gospel so that Christians would know with certainty who Jesus was. And so if we had started, which we're not going to go through everything through uh, chapter 5, but uh, we see Jesus coming on the scene, making it clear this guy's pretty cool, special. He, uh, he's uh, ministering to all different kinds of people. He's calling his disciples. And he's ministering and to all kinds of people that are kind of outcasts and, and of society. 
And so we come here now, so when it says after this, that's kind of what's come before. We come here and we read, after this he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi. And I think it's important for us to pause and to really unpack what it meant to be a tax collector in the first century. I mean, what it meant to be a tax collector there, you could, you could buy a, a franchise to, to be a tax collector. You know, you could, you could purchase the ability to be the one who collected the taxes in a particular region uh, that was under Roman rule. And you had like the Roman guards that could back you up doing your job. And so the Roman government would tell you, you need to collect this much tax for this or that. And, and they would go and they would collect those taxes and they would harp on you and, and, and come, just come after you. I've been told there, there are people in, in the U.S. government who work for the IRS that if you don't pay your taxes, they will hound you and hound you and hound you until you pay your taxes. Now, they don't have the ability that Levi had. Levi had the ability to hound you to pay your taxes, but he could also charge you a little bit more or a lot of it more. And he could tax you on whatever you wanted. If you were a fisherman, he could charge you uh, for going out and fishing and, and, and for the fish that you caught. And he'd go, oh, you use nets to catch your fish? I think I'm going to tax that. And oh, you docked your boat at, at a dock? I think I'm going to tax that too. And so people would just despise guys like Levi because it, they, they hounded them and they oppressed them and they were, dis, they were dishonest and people knew it. Their word was worth nothing. One commentator wrote, he said this about a Jewish tax collector. He said they were barred from the synagogue. They were forbidden to have any kind of religious or social contact with their fellow Jews. Be because, because as a Jew, they were basically saying, I I'm denying my people. I'm going I'm to put myself in line with the Roman government. I don't care about you. And then they would oppress their own people. So their people didn't want anything to do with them. He also said that he was in a class of swine. Because he was held to be a traitor and a liar, he was ranked with robbers and murderers and was forbidden to give testimony in Jewish court. They were such habitual liars and cheats, they couldn't even give testimony in court because you couldn't trust them. So the original hearers, as, they, as this was first read to them, and it says, after this, he went out and he saw a tax collector. All of that came rushing into their minds. This is the kind of guy? What's going to happen to this guy? And then something extraordinary happens. This guy named Levi sitting at the tax booth, Jesus says to him, follow me. Jesus calls this guy I mean, really, this guy of all the people? I mean, I get some of the people who are having a hard time, but you're going to go after the guy that everybody hates? You're going to go after that guy that's been hounding me for something that's not his? So this would have blown the minds of the original hearers. And, and what's further crazy about this is the fact that Jesus doesn't just simply call him, he responds. And it says in verse 28, and leaving everything, he rose and followed him. He leaves everything. This is, this is a wealthy guy when you think about it. <coughs> I mean, yeah, everybody hates him, 
but he's got all this money. He's, live, he's living the good life. And he leaves everything. Now, before we get caught up in, in leaving everything, because when I first read leaving everything as a new believer, I was like, okay, leave everything. I got to quit school because I came to Christ when I was in college. So I got to quit school right now and I got to go somewhere like far, far away to go share the gospel with people in some tribe that, that can't even speak English. So I got to learn something and all get caught up in all that. But we want to we focus on the fact that, that Jesus is calling him out of a sinful lifestyle. Yes, Jesus might call us to go to a far off land and leave everything in that way. But the huge thing here is Jesus is calling him out of a sinful lifestyle. A lifestyle that's that just filled with lying and cheating and hanging out with all kinds of shady people. And he had, so he had to leave it because this is Jesus. Righteousness right in front of him. So he has to just leave it. There's, there's no doubt about wanting to leave it because it would be like in, having a house that's filled with mold. Not like the mold that's in the back of your refrigerator, but I'm talking about like Sometimes when houses have water and moisture and, and they actually get mold that pervades the house, and you, what happens? People have to leave the house because there's no other option. And so as he's confronted with Jesus, well, there is no other option. All of this, even though I'm, I'm living the life, well, I must go because of Christ, because of who is calling. That's what's happened. And Luke helps us to understand not just this about Levi, but the kind of people that Jesus wants to call. As we go on, in verse 29 it says, And Levi made a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors. So not just a tax collector, not just one shady, liar, jerk kind of guy. No, a company of them. There's a bunch of them there. And there's others. There's others reclining at table with them. These were probably prostitutes and other shady characters of the day. These are the kind of people, why are these the kind of people? These are the friends that Levi had. And Jesus goes to them. So as an original hearer of this, you're, you're reading this and you're blown away by Levi. You're blown away by this and you're like, Jesus, Jesus goes to even the outcasts? of society, is that, that's what he does? And so Jesus is setting the bar here to saying, well, you know, to, to, to be in my kingdom, you've got to be like this. No. If he was holding a bar, he would drop it and it would hit the floor. He's saying, no, to be in my kingdom, you need me. You need me to be in my kingdom. It's not about what you can do or what you have done. It's about what I have done. <coughs> And then you have some folks here, the Pharisees, Jesus is right in front of them. And they miss Jesus. Jesus is right there in front of them, and all they can do is grumble. You can kind of picture this going on. It's like this grumbling, oh, what's going on? Jesus, you know, got guys over here, and this over here, what's going on? How can you hang out? Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, these guys were passionate about following religious rules. They wanted to follow the, the Ten Commandments <coughs> and the Old Testament law to the T. But they didn't care 
about other people. It says, Jesus answers them and says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. These guys did not care if other people stayed sick. All they did was care about themselves. Their goodness. Their, uh, uh, how they appeared to be righteous. So they thought so highly of themselves, these outcast society were, were just a burden to them rather than an opportunity. An opportunity to share what God had given them. Now before going on, I, certainly the Pharisees are not the main point of this passage. But don't be a Pharisee. I would not be serving you if I didn't tell you don't be a Pharisee. Jesus was right in front of them. They were living a religious life and they missed Jesus. And they judged other people. Well, why do we build all this cool stuff and have it out there? It's not so that we can have some event for our kids and just have our church kids come here. No, we want to bring them in. We want to bring all kinds of other people in who don't know Jesus so they can hang out with us. So don't be like the Pharisees. I was like the Pharisees. When I was growing up, I, I went to church every Sunday. Every Sunday. I did all the good things that you were supposed to do, said all the right stuff you were supposed to say, but my heart... <coughs> was so far away from Christ. And, and when I saw other people who weren't as good as me, because I thought I was pretty good. I mean, I got pretty good grades. People liked me. Adults liked me because I was just thought I was so impressive. And when I saw those other people, maybe it was the kid that dressed funny. Maybe it was someone that kind of smelled funny. He was the kid that just lived on the other side of the tracks or in that town that no one wanted to live in. I looked down upon those people. And I thought I was so righteous. I wouldn't have used those words because I was lost as a golf ball in high weeds. But I was a Pharisee. I was a Pharisee. I heard stories in my Sunday school class about Pharisees and never once did it cross my mind that I was them. And it wasn't until I came to college at Ball State that I realized, Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That I was a sinner. That I was someone that needed to repent and come to Christ. My goodness wouldn't save me, and your goodness won't save you. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you've, maybe you've come to this church for as long as it's been in existence. Maybe you've gone to church for 20 years or 30 years. None of that will save you if you are spiritually sick. When Jesus talks here about those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, he's not talking about the common cold that I'm experiencing right now as I'm coughing in the middle of the message. It's not about that. We don't see anything in here about Levi having a cold. No, he has an internal condition. The Pharisees have an internal condition 
of the heart, where their heart is far from God. They're living for themselves. They're spiritually sick, and they need a physician. They need a Savior. So none of the stuff that we do saves us. But the good news is, is we have a Savior. The good news is, is Jesus does come and He calls. Now, why is it that I would come and, and help plant the Berrien campus? Why would we go there? I mean, you guys probably saw the, the slide rolling through there. You don't have to put it up there. You know, before church, you've got, you know, Berrien campus, and it's got like a background picture, the beach. And when you see it, you're like, oh, the beach. Oh, like I could go up there and visit, and we could go to the beach after. Or we go to the beach before and then we go to church, we go to the beach after. That'd be really cool. I'm so glad we're going to get to go to the beach every single time I talk to someone. It's not even just the people who live around here, people I know back in Chicago and other places. I'm like, oh yeah, God's called us to go to Berrien County. Oh, where's that? That's near St. Joe. Oh, the beach. <laughs> or maybe we're going to Berrien because there's a bunch of people who've been driving like, 30 or 45 minutes and that's just so impressive and well we just want to save them gas money because like they've been driving oh, for like three or four years and we don't want them to have to drive anymore it'll be more convenient for them that's why we should go no we are going because jesus says those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick that's why we're going there are people who live in Berrien County who have believed the lie that, that stuff can satisfy them. Or they are living lives that are just an absolute mess. It's a wreck. They have lives wracked with sin and brokenness and hurt because of sin because people have hurt them and they've hurt other people. That's why we are going to plant a campus up in Berrien County. Because there's people who need to know Jesus Christ, who need to be discipled, and who need to be equipped so they can be sent out and plant another campus or another church someplace else. Because Jesus calls people who are spiritually sick. Now, we're going to call people to follow Christ, but before we do, we must respond. We must respond ourselves. So there are three ways that I see in this passage that we, we are going to respond or how we can respond. Because regardless of what your life looks like, we need to repent and follow Jesus. So the first way is respond to the call of Christ no matter what you have done. Respond to the call of Christ no matter what you have done. So in light of the fact that we have have this guy, Levi, who lives this kind of life that he has been living, we can know, you can know, the truth that you do not have to have it all together to follow Jesus. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row. You don't have to have all this here and i got to be good and i got to do all this before I can follow Christ. No, you do not have to have it together to follow Jesus. You're qualified to go and follow Jesus because you don't have it all together. Maybe you are a teen who's living in, in your home and you have some kind of hidden sin or you've been, you've, been, you've been living the life of a Pharisee. 
And you need to follow Christ, not do the stuff. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, Jamie, I've, I've lied. I've cheated. I've stolen. I've, I've hurt people. You, you, don't, you don't get it. You know, it, this is good for others and I'm glad to be here and it makes me feel good, but, but I don't know if I can be all in. Maybe you're telling me, hey, my life is a train wreck. You don't, you don't understand what I have done. And you're wondering, really? Maybe, maybe you're starting to lean forward. You're wondering, how much sin does Jesus forgive? I'm here to tell you this morning, He forgives all of it. All of it. There is no one outside of His reach. And the fact is, he's reaching. You think you have to come? Jesus went to Levi. He went to him. He went to his tax booth. And he said, follow me. And Jesus is coming to you right now and saying, follow me. So it doesn't matter what you have done. You can respond to the call of Christ. You don't have to have it all together to follow Jesus. So regardless of what your life looks like, you can repent and follow Jesus, but it's not enough to know who Jesus is. It's not enough to know that he died for sinners. It's not enough to simply know, know that he calls the spiritually sick. You have to respond. You have to respond. And how do we respond? We respond by repenting. So here's response number two. Respond to the call of Christ with repentance and faith. We respond to the call of Christ with repentance and faith. Verse 32 says, I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Repentance is a word that gets a bad rap. It gets a bad rap because oftentimes you kind of hear it and kind of, I mean, you hear repent and you're just like, oh, it kind of shocks you a little bit, particularly if you've not heard it before. For me, the first time I was really familiar with the word repent was when I was in college. And in college at Ball State, there's like an intersection in the middle of campus that uh, when the lights, go, the lights can go red in all directions and then people can like cross any which way they want to cross when, when the lights go red. And so... All kinds of stuff happens there. People hand out flyers. Well, every fall, there was this guy who would come to our campus and stand right at that corner, and he would have a sign. And he'd have it strapped on with this belt with a big pole, and it said, like, repent and some other stuff. I just remember the word repent was, like, really big and probably in red. And he was this old guy. Now, he was probably my age when I was in college, now but he looked old and he looked older because he was angry i mean he was just like angry anyone who would come by was just like repent you need to repent you sinner you're going to the bars and you're sleeping around you need to repent and even even christians who would go up to them with their bibles open wanting to talk to them he was just screaming at them and he was angry and i was just like repent like why don't, I don't know what that is, but I don't know I want to do that. And it's situations like that and other situations where, where the word repentance gets a bad rap, but repent is a beautiful word. 
It's actually a beautiful word. We don't want that, that idea to come rushing into our minds when we hear repent. Repent is when, when you are turning from your sin and you're turning to God. When you're going this direction and you realize you, you are steeped in your sin and you turn and you see Jesus and you go and you follow Him. That's what repentance is. You're leaving the mess. You're leaving the sin. You're leaving the struggle and the strife and you're going to the Savior who is calling you. That's where the faith comes in. It's not just about putting off the sin. It's about trusting in Jesus and going to Him. So repentance is a beautiful word because it's less about what you're running from and more about what you're running to. Because Jesus is the King of Kings. We took communion to remember what Jesus has done for us. He calls us to say, you don't have to do it because I have done it. It is finished. You can take my righteous life and I will take your sinful life and he paid it to the full. The punishment that was due us. And he's calling us. Jesus is calling you away from your sin like he was Levi. The word call here, it's not like, like pick up your cell phone and call somebody. The word call here has, has the flavor of calling you to my house. I want you to come to my house. No, no, don't stay where you are. I want you to come to my house. The king of kings is calling you to come to his house, to be his child, to be under his rule, to have the benefits of being a child of his. That's what that call means when Jesus is calling you. He's calling you not just away from a mess to be an okay life. No, he's calling you into his kingdom. So Jesus is calling you to leave your sinful life. And if you've trusted Christ and you're struggling with, with sin, or maybe you've, you've gotten a hidden sin, he, he's calling you away from that. He wants you to, he's to come. You don't have to get it all together so that you can come back and enjoy the benefits of being in my family. No, come now. Come to my house. And so what does that look like? Well, it looks like Repentance. And what repentance can look like is simply confessing our sin. We start by confessing our sin. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's not just about the confessions. He's faithful to forgive us. It's not just i got to come and i got to be real. No, you come and you're going to open up and you confess your sins because He already knows what they are. He already knows what they are. He's not shocked because he went to the cross for you. And you can believe the truth that he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Know that you're forgiven. Know that you're forgiven. And then repentance can continue to look like, well, we need to remove distractions in our lives. That's what leaving everything was for Levi. He had to remove the distractions, and for him, it was everything. For you, there may be something else. Maybe there's some kind of media that you need to leave. Maybe there's friends that you need to leave. Maybe there's a house that you need to leave. 
I don't know what that is. You know what that is. And I believe the Lord's speaking to you right now. And you need to leave that to follow Christ because repentance means leaving. But more importantly than the leaving, we're going to leave. We're leaving to something. Because the faith part is going to Jesus. It's believing in Jesus. It's pursuing Jesus. So get into a small group. Study the Bible. Read the Bible with somebody. Pray and know. Know that Jesus hears your prayers and He wants to talk with you so you can pursue Him in faith. Now again, you don't have to do this alone. We come here and we enjoy this fellowship and we have small groups and fellowship because we were never called into just me and Jesus. You're called into the family. You're in the family of God. So as you pursue Christ, you can pursue him with others who can walk along with you and who can point you to Jesus like many of you have already done for me as we've been here even just a few weeks. You've been pointing me to Jesus. So regardless of what your life looks like, we repent and we follow Jesus. So there's, but there's two aspects here in verse 28. Leaving everything he rose and followed him. There's certainly the leaving. There's certainly the repentance is the leaving and turning from sin. But there's the pursuing of Christ. There's the pursuing of Christ no matter the cost. So point three is respond to the call of Christ no matter the cost. See, responding to Christ is not just something that we do. Following Jesus is not just something that we do at conversion. Certainly we do that at conversion, but it's an ongoing thing. When you, when you follow someone, you, you, wouldn't say, you wouldn't say that I was following someone if I just said, oh, I'm going to follow you. And then they just keep walking. And if I was still standing here, just waving, see you later, you, you would not say I was following that person. Following Christ is an ongoing work. It's an ongoing activity because Jesus is worthy of being followed. It's Jesus. But there's sacrifice involved in following Christ. A life of following Christ can often mean leaving those things that are comfortable. <coughs> I don't know what it is that God might call you to leave, but you may have to leave something that's comfortable. Some of you, it could be a house to go. Some of you, it could be leaving the, the comfort of the, the normal routine of serving here in this place on Saturday night or Sunday morning or in other contexts to go to Berrien County with us. Because there are people who need to know about Christ. And you are sitting here and you're thinking, oh, that's just going to be for those people who like live like, like on the other side of the state line, right? Like you're doing that for those people over there and the people who want to go to the beach. No, like Jesus is going to call some of you. I thought I was going to be planting a church in another city in Indiana six weeks ago. And there are many times in my life where we've had to leave where we were at to go. I've never had to leave this quick and show up this quick. But we didn't come because it was comfortable. There were opportunities that we had 
to even stay in Chicagoland, uh, to not sell my house. My kids could have stayed where they were at. But why, why did we come? Well, because we're following Jesus. We're following the call of Christ. Yeah, we were saved, and I want to continue to grow in my walk with Jesus. But when he says it's time to go, I need to go. And so even though I'm here now and God's calling us here and we're doing this, I've learned anymore not to say, yep, uh, the next place I'm moving is the graveyard next door. I don't know. Maybe that would be great if I didn't have to move again. But this ain't my home. This is not my home because I'm following Jesus who had no place to lay his head. But there one day where there will be a great rest and I'll be in that spot and I'm not going to have to move from that spot. Micah was talking about that with the sea of glass and all that. That's going to be awesome. No one's going to be called away from that, but we're going to be called to that. And in this life right now, we're called to follow Christ no matter the cost. So I want to challenge you. What does following Jesus look like in your life what does following jesus look like in your life that's not for me to tell you but i assure you if you ask the question jesus will tell you actually jesus will tell you even if you don't want to hear it and he will mess with you until you listen because he's worth it and he's worthy and we want to pour our lives for him So we respond to the call of Christ no matter the cost. So let's follow Christ together. Some of you come with us to Berrien County. Now I asked the folks last night, I told them they were all coming, so that probably would fill up the why. So all of you don't have to come, but if all of you did come, that's okay. I know everybody's laughing. (laughs) Trent keeps saying there's like, too many people, you don't have enough space. Well, let's just all go to Berrien County. We'll have lots of space. <laughs> no, some of you will be called here. Some of you will want to go, but the call of Christ is going to be to stay. And some of you are going to want to stay, and the call of Christ is going to be to go. I don't know who that is, but Jesus knows, and he'll be talking to you about that. Well, in closing, I want to come back to Levi. Levi, who Jesus came to as Jesus comes to you and calls you. See, Levi started out with this reputation of a cheat and a sneak and no one liked him and he was wealthy. But we know Levi better by another name. And that name is Matthew. Matthew, if you flip to the left in your Bible, there's a gospel by his name because that's him. He's a guy who who came from a messed up life, who who lived the good life that walked away from it all to follow Christ. And then he gave his life for Christ. He wrote a gospel for us. He shared the gospel with numerous people. He made disciples and he gave his actual life for Christ. So Jesus, Jesus can turn your mess into something beautiful. So don't be hindered by what you've done or where you think you're at right now. Look to Jesus. Follow Jesus. If you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to do that this morning. Don't wait any longer. 
You've heard that call through this passage. You heard that call as we were singing about the name of Jesus. Don't wait. There's going to be some pastors and elders up here after the service. I want you to come to them after we're done singing and talk to them and say, I need to learn more about Jesus. I'm not fully sure about this, but I need to follow Jesus. We want to pray with you. If you're struggling with some sin, we want you to come. We want to pray with you. Let's follow Christ together. Let's pray. Father, Father, I want to pray right now. God, I ask that you would, you would meet those of us who are here this morning that have never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, as they're sitting in their seats and wrestling and not thinking that they're worthy, <clears throat> Jesus, overwhelm them with your worth and your glory and your fame and that you came from your highest place to come down, Lord. Overwhelm them right now with that. Lord, overwhelm us all with that reality that you condescended, you came down and became a man to come to us, to die for us, and then to call us to follow you so that we could be reconciled to God. I thank you for that, God. I pray, Lord, for those here who are struggling with sin. God, that you would help them to take that step of faith, to confess that sin and repent of that sin and experience your grace and forgiveness. And I pray for those, God, here this morning that are stirred to be a part of a new work that you're calling us to as a local church. God, as you have provided for my family, provide for them or their family so that we could proclaim the name of Jesus starting in Berrien County as we move to the ends of the earth. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.